Look, what I'm about to tell you gonna sound crazy. You ready? All right. Try me. I believe they've been abducting black people, brainwashing them, making them work for them as sex slaves and shit. Oh, sorry about the shit. Sorry. Hold on a second. Then he sent me some weird picture. I'm like, oh man, that's Andre Hayesworth. This dude been missing for six months, right? So I do all my research, you know, because as a TSA agent, you know, you guys are detectives. I got the same training, you know. I mean, we might know more than y'all sometimes, you know, because we dealing with some terrorist shit. So, but that, that's a totally different story. So look, I go do my, 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 my detective work, right? And I start putting pieces together. And see, this is what I came up with. They're probably abducting black people, brainwashing them, and making them slaves, or sex slaves, not just regular slaves, but sex slaves or shit. See, I don't know if it's the hypnosis that's making them slaves or whatnot, but all I know is they already got two brothers we know, and it could be a whole bunch of brothers they got already. What's the next move? <laughs> and don't ever, ever say that I don't do nothing for you. <laughs> oh, white girl. Oh, they get you every time. <laughs> Folks, welcome to episode 150 of the Sin Beef Podcast. Uh, what a long, strange trip it's been to, to quote a really, you know, worn out quote. But uh, I am here tonight. I'm one of your hosts, Gary Hill. With you tonight, and her alone, is Suzanne. How are you? I'm good. I remember the first cinema beef I did with you. And how many format changes ago was that? Well, it was like one and a half, you know. I, oh. I, I, I plan on, by, by the way, this is 150. But only about a hundred episodes are included on the, the, the Legion feed. I'm still working on, you know, working on those episodes to make them more listenable for you people. Not not really editing them down, but making them uh, clean up the audio and such. So look for some of those littered into your feed, either in order or not in order. Because yeah, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> no, I just thank you for having me on and for wanting me to become part of your show. And you're still you're still awful for that like the Blues Brothers, but I'm I'm just gonna you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna look at that. And changed, and like I said, Blues Brothers is a dude movie, and watching it with Pat, I actually felt like a dude, and we had fun. Well, when me and Court do Blues Brothers 2000, you're welcome to come on for sloppy seconds, okay? Because yeah. oh, you have to let me know when that goes on, because I will totally kick back and watch that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, we did, and oh, this is one of our private jokes. Is still the Eric Stoltz 
creepy kisses. Oh yeah, there's that. He makes out with children, people. Not not in real life, just in character, you know, in the prophecy, you know. Just yeah, that st- one sticking his for tongue down reason, those kids' throats. For some reason, that has stuck. For some, you and I joke about that all the time. It should because it's uncomfortable, and I'm. It just is. Yeah, and uh, the third movie, which I'm sure it's not really going to take much for anybody to figure out, was oh the Ar- Dario Argento classic, my personal favorite, the bloody ballerina tattooed on my arm is Suspiria. The most awkward game of Clue ever, that movie right there. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, we spoken about that's, that's how I feel about that movie. You know, that's okay, though. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, we're here tonight, um, and we're going to kick off the show the same way we always kick off the show. And I'm going to ask Suzanne what she's been watching lately. I actually watched American Horror Story 84 last night, and I hate to admit it, but I really, really had fun. I know Murphy's going to fuck the whole thing up because your average slasher movie is an hour and a half. So how this spreads out to 10 episodes, I don't know, but I was really happy to see Don Swayze. Even Naya was happy to see Don Swayze. Well, why, 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 why wouldn't she? But I enjoyed that. Um, God help me. I fell asleep during Hell House 3. And Hell House 2, I think we can discount. Well, but cool. Hell House 3 genuinely had some terrifying moments that I promptly fell asleep during. Yeah, I know. I know Duncan said it was not very good, but I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed what I saw. I hated, I didn't hate to. It just seemed like they got so much because Hell House LLC was a really great movie. And Hell House 2, it's like, okay, make another movie. Here's a lot of money to do it. This is, and, a, sh- this is a shutter thing, right? Yeah. And they slapdashed this movie together that was, oh, God, I don't want to say truly terrible, but it was just like one of those what the fuck kind of movies where you're so excited and you get to the final product and you're like, seriously, what the fuck? This one, I can't wait to finish watching it. And I was really hoping I could squeeze in Creep Show so I could add that in, but I just did not have time today. I hear it's really good, but the the, the finish on one of the particular episodes is, is just kind of there. So, but I hear I hear mostly good things about it. So, was it? Uh... Yeah, I'm. I know a lot of the writers involved, mm-hmm. and they're stoked, which makes me stoked. So I've got to kick back and watch for reels, which I'm probably going to do after this is over. It's good to be excited about things, Sue. Oh, I know. I'm still excited about Hell House Lake of Fire. And I really hope I don't fall asleep because once again, I'm going to talk about this again. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's good. But the first movie scared me. It actually, and it wasn't, you know, your stupid, silly jump scares. I can spot those a mile away. But they genuinely created an atmosphere. That was uncomfortable. When I have to pause a movie, because you know me, you know my horror movie rules. After 10 o'clock, usually 11, hopefully my husband is out of town, lights off, and some form of beverage in front of me. But I actually had to pause the first one, because I got so unsettled that I had to go and double check the doors and the basement. And going down into the basement that I had been up and down that thousand times i was a little scared because one of my lights went off did you sing the ramon song while you were doing it hey daddy you 
I don't want to go down to the basement. See, that's more coherent than Joey is. See, I'm just. <laughs> uh, no, I was like in the back of my head. I was thinking, let's lynch the landlord. Let's lynch the landlord now. Oh God, look at you. I prefer kill. I, I, I prefer the, the 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 poetry recital of "Kill My Landlord" from Betty Murphy. You know, come on now. Oh God, that was really <laughs> funny. But there's so much horror to be had right now. I'm excited about my upcoming viewing of Satanic Panic. My friend, on the other hand, Nudie, you know who you are, not so excited about it. Because every once in a while, you do need to laugh at your preferred genre. Is this your bloody bitch selection? Yes, it is. He got Purgatory Road. I begged for Satanic Panic. I hear it's a good one from people, so there's that. I I just, I want to have fun. I I just want to kick back and enjoy this movie. Yep. Anything else, too? No, what have you been watching? Oh, I, I'm late to the game, but I started watching the latest season of Glow, and I'm not as excited about it as other people are. I really like the first two seasons, but when you give me a lot of melodrama, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm kind of with you. I've made it through two episodes, and they're becoming painful. It's it's a lot of melodrama, but it's not entertaining melodrama, which, you know, usually you could, you could pull me in as long as the characters remain interesting and... It seems like they're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall to see if it's going to stick. And I'm not always, you know, with that, with shows like this. And I think Netflix has a habit of, like, trying, but, you know. Failing? Yeah, yeah but failing. Like, like there's too many seasons of Orange is the New Black, and I have not finished watching that series yet. There's, there's still the whole season sitting on Netflix for me to watch. And I, I haven't yet because I'm not overly looking forward to the finished product to see what's going to happen to these women that... I've lost interest in over the the last couple seasons, you know. I lost interest at the prison riot at that point, and that's that's, uh, about, that's about where I am too. There's like there's a couple left in there that I I have, I have interest in, but it's just kind of there, kind of like low. It's just kind of there, and it's getting one more season I hear, and I'm hoping this one you know finishes strong, so I get I get excited about the next season. But I I don't have high hopes at this point, you know. I. Honestly, I don't either because I was really excited because I I watched the first few episodes of season one and then I kind of fell back into it. And then I watched all of season two and I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. Then I rewatched the documentary about it. Documentary. Documentary. (laughs) And I'm not I've not enjoyed the two episodes I've watched. And that makes me sad. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I, uh, <clears throat> apparently I'm playing Peter Brady. And I, my, my, my voice is getting higher. And that's not that's not nice. <laughs> it's time to change. <laughs> oh my gosh. What else? R- Rambo, if you, if you listen to Sloppy Seconds, mega episode with myself, Jamie Bryan, and Alex Edwards. No relation. Uh, see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> you'll know my love for the new, new Rambo film. It's, it's pretty great. Has its flaws, of course. You'll hear all that if you haven't listened to it yet, which you probably have. You heard this. Um, I wasn't seeing it Chapter Two in the theater because I wasn't seeing the new J Lo movie or some other movie for my second movie, so I wasn't seeing that instead um, to give it a, a second throw. And I feel the same way about it as I did before. It's about it's about a seven out of ten, and better than the first for me. Um, again, just. There's a lot of stuff in there where they, they just throw against the wall to see what's going to stick, like the homages, and, hey, guess what? Richie's gay. Let's play it. Let's play that up real good, and 
that's fine that he's gay, but, you know, don't make it like... I've heard a lot of arguments about this where they make it like a threat. You know what? We're going to tell that you're gay. And this is a big thing. And like, I don't, I don't like that rhetoric of the script. I think it's like, yeah, whatever. Like now that every movie has to throw in something like that. It's, it's not like it's thrown in. It's like, it's a threat for them, for, for his friends to find out that he's gay. And that's like a major problem I have with the script of that movie. And it might be something in the book, but I haven't read the book in a very long time. I'm going to leave that alone though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, cause it's written, it's written very well, but that, that part of the, of the writing, I'm not a fan of because it's like, it's like we're in the 1980s and you know, a gay panic is everywhere in those movies. Like, yeah, you know what? He might be gay, but he might be toxic at the same time, you know? Oh yeah. Because of the gayness, you know, it makes you oh. toxic. And, uh, hashtag, <laughs> no, no, I can't, I'm not going to do it. Hashtag toxic gay, uh, you know, hashtag, um, I don't know, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> No toxic gays. Leave it alone. <laughs> I've been watching a bunch of stuff for Duncan's uh, 90s uh, roundtable. I rewatched Blair Witch Project today. Guess what? Still not a fan. Just throwing it out there. Come on, Jerry. Not a fan. I still love Book of Shadows. Well, that's good. I don't. I don't like this. I don't like the first one. I like the first one. I like. I, there, there's certain elements I love about that movie. Is it them losing the map or the snot bubble? Oh god! The, no, the snot bubble was gross, and everybody decided to make fun of the snot bubble forever. You should, yeah. I mean, it, I think it was even one of the scary movies, and I'm like, it was like this thing, and it's it actually made me gag. That, that movie's fifty fifty percent of the one dude arguing with 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 uh the girl saying, "You get this fucking lost, man. I'm fucking frustrated." Another of them, another thirty percent. I heard a noise in the wood. Let's go investigate it. And like twenty percent, and I'm I'm really being generous here, of real horror in that movie, and it's not even good. So I'm I'm gonna leave that alone. And uh, no, the last act of Blair Witch makes it worth watching. Boring, so fucking boring. I it's... took my father to go see that movie. It was like, it was like, hundred and fifty or however the, the the theater was full. Okay, and apparently it was full of fools because they were all disappointed all at once. <laughs> It's kind of like that scene in Boogie Nights where he's jerking off and nothing's happening, you know? Imagine a whole theater of people like that, okay? Oh, my God. Goddamn cocaine dick. Come on now, you know. Oh, God. Really... No, I went to the theater and we one day, I mean, this is when we were living in West Virginia and, you know, dodging toxic fumes on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So we went to see two movies that day. We went to see South Park. Yep. And Blair Witch. And I got carded. I actually got carded for a movie. I have not been, I hadn't been carded in years for alcohol. But oh my God, Blair Witch is going to do something to my fragile little mind. Oh yeah. In my, in my country dick and have to serve it to a pig. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. I love that South Park movie so much. Oh, oh I know. I don't love Blair Witch though. Like I said, it should be on the it should be on the the VHS cover. It might give you cocaine dick. You know, <laughs> VHS cover. I'm gonna rewrite it for you, Eduardo Sanchez. But I really liked Lovely Molly for some reason. But besides that, from what I understand, exists is a good movie. But I'm not gonna find out because there's oh, like it just started a trend that I didn't like. There's like there's like four good Bigfoot movies out there, and I hear that's um, one, I hear that's one of them. 
Give me the one that uh, Bobcat did, Willow Road. Mm-hmm. Willow Road was really good, but there, with some of those Bigfoot movies, it started a trend that I hate, and that is the self-sacrifice trend. Harry and the Hendersons, number one in my soul, number one in my heart. You know, it'll happen one day. We'll talk about it. And I'll, <laughs> I'll sob like a man telling you about Don Amici and shit. You know, it's a... Uh, Pat forced me to watch Harry and the Hendersons one afternoon. What do you mean forced you? It's a lovely film. Come on now. (laughs) But no, he's like, Pat looked at me and, okay, I don't know how to explain Pat face. But you know what Pat does that face? I'd imagine looking like, do do you have human emotion in you? Come on now. (laughs) Do you have a soul in you? No, he's lived with me for 25 years. And every once in a while, he's like shocked. That I have no soul. <laughs> oh man, we'll get into we'll get into that dead episode another time when we we cover that movie and I I tell you how how truly soulless you are, woman. Now I'm playing, you know. <laughs> but you know I'm soulless. Well, I mean, but, but in in a good way. You, you got you got a good got a good heart to you, I guess. You know, it's a, we'll live with that. We'll live with Suzanne. Um, what, what else? <laughs> I watched Urban Legend at work today because I think that's on one of Duncan's list, but I'm not 100% sure. But I just wanted to watch because I haven't watched it in a long time. And I, I always thought this was one of the better ones that didn't follow the Scream trend. Well, it followed the Scream trend, but in a way which it was a little more brutal. But, you know, it, it's it's like, it's really good until I get to certain parts of it. Like how white people, how, how douchey white people can be in, in, in movies. And this has an abundance. You have Tara Reid acting like a, you know, uh self-assured, you know, hashtag, like, what now? Hashtag white person. H- hashtag cocaine dick. Now I'm leaving it alone, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> she, she's, she was like a sex hotline. Michael Rosenbaum's in there acting like he does in every movie. And that's fine. You know, but he's not playing Lex Luthor and I'll get into my, my beef of the week on that one about how I feel like him being Lex Luthor. Um, he's, he's kind of plays the douchey part and I'll take it in sorority boys, but not so much in here. Because I have a real soft spot for sorority boys. Um, yeah, Gary. It's so funny. I, I love it. Um, but the kills are really good, and I think uh, Loretta Devine is really great as uh, the, 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 the black rent-a-cop lady, who's probably one of the strongest characters in the film, but I remember the reveal being really stupid, and, and I wasn't disappointed how the reveal was really stupid, and how unbelievable this person was to do all this stuff, but in... Uh, but it's got a lot of faces, you know, and I had, I had a good enough time with it. I'm kind of looking forward to, if I if I ever goes on sale for cheap enough, to dig into the Screen Factory Blu-ray, because I know it has tons of extras on there, and I'd love to dive into some of that, and just just to, just to watch it and see um, how, how uh, late-tier 90s horror can really get into some stuff, because it has all, all the fixings in there, but the final execution was um, blah. I just, I didn't like it that much but i didn't ruin the film for me so urban legend is still pretty good i haven't watched the sequels but they are a thing and uh i have they, not watched any of the sequels they will uh, maybe be covered one day we'll see what happens um anything else i don't know um i'm trying to think here but, but not i can't really think of anything else um so i'm gonna leave it at that and move on to our next segment which is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. The barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Oh, 
heard that. Sue, anything eating you, girl? Oh, I'm still pissed off at the uh, must not let people vape. Well, yeah. No, it, there, it, there, ain't, there ain't no way that's going to go through. I don't think we'll see. Um, they're at least coming down on the proper company. Mm-hmm. We were watching an episode of Knife Fighter Forged in Fire. I can't remember what, and it was like from two weeks ago because you know stuff gets stacked up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I swear to God, in a one-hour episode for Jewel ads, and I'm, I'm not really sure what they were ever trying to market to and one of the vape shops i used to go to back you know years ago um they pretty much quit selling all of the stuff that pat and i vaped you know the reputable stuff Mm -hmm. and all they carried was jewel jewel pods and maybe three or four you know vapes and right now i'm still struggling with not smoking and believe me it's fucking hard and now they're trying to take all of that away from me. One of my friends posted something that was absolutely hilarious. She posted uh, something about the feds trying to, you know, ban all flavored liquids. And then she posted a bottle of Bailey's and Fireball and like five different flavored vodkas. It's like, yeah, adults like sweet things too. I, I, know, I really want to try that peach crown. It just looks delicious, you know. Oh, um, I'm going to quote Balsack here. It is like the tears of an angel. Oh, nice. And I don't like crown, but peach crown is kind of spectacular. I continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. But everyone is starting to lose their shits. Like, we're saving your children. Okay, yeah, um, when I was 15, 16, everybody had cigarettes. Did anybody panic because uh, we stood at the bus stop and probably smoked a fucking pack between five of us waiting for the bus? Hell, when, 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 we were, when we were kids, when I, was, when I was young, and this is when I was young, they'd have full barbecues in the backyard with, with kegs out where, where kids were around open alcohol and... Everybody was fucking smoking back in those days, so... Oh, everyone was smoking. I remember when I was, I mean, maybe seven... Tobacco and and recreational, you know? Yeah. When I was, like, seven to ten, me and my cousins would all run around. Our uncles would all give us sips of their beer. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. Oh, yeah, it was. Because my mom was laughing when when we were talking about this. She's like, oh, yeah, you guys all took really nice long naps in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so you guys could get your party on with all of us asleep? And she's like, yeah, that was the point. And there was nothing when I'd have a toothache for my grandmother to grab a shot of whiskey and rub her finger in it and rub whiskey along my gum line. There you go. It's a little remedy, you know. Come on now. But it worked. Oh, yeah. But everyone has gone and lost their fucking minds. I really wonder what fucking world that we're living in, because it just feels so alien to what I grew up in. Now, did we go shoot up schools? You know why? No. Because if I laid a fingerprint on one of my dad's guns, he would beat the shit out of me. Uh Uh-huh. But, no, everyone wants to be best friends with their kids. And you know what? You need to parent your fucking kids. It's the skinny jeans that's cutting out the oxygen to their fucking brains. You know. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> it, everyone has fucking lost it. Everyone. 
And that is my, I'm trying to keep it so anti-political, but it turned political. Uh, I appreciate that too, you know. I'm trying to keep it anti, I just, uh, my reflections. You feel how you feel, you know, it's fine. And I apologize if anyone is offended by anything I said. And no, I never apologize, whatever. It's just <laughs> if you have a problem, you can send me an email at fuckoff at fuckyou2.com. If you got a problem, yo, she'll solve it. Check out the hook while Dario Argento revolves it. So, so, Spiria. Aja, scusi, scusi. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my beef is a real small one. I mentioned Michael Rosenbaum before. I'm going to mention him right now because um, <clears throat> these shows I love, these uh, DC Comics uh, television shows on the CW, every year they have their annual crossover episode. This time it's they picked one of the biggest the biggest comic events that there ever was, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's where the, you know, the multiverse comes together. Lots of characters die, including Supergirl. It's a, it's a big famous George Perez cover. If you look it up, you've probably seen it before. But anyway, this is to, to, to where I'm going. They've got a bunch of old DC actors to come back for this. They've got Linda Carter to come back. They've got Burt Ward to come back. They've got Erica Durance, who plays Lois Lane on Smallville. They've got Tom Welling, who plays Clark Kent on Smallville. But when they approached uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who played arguably the, the, best, the best Lex Luthor of all time, and I include Gene Hackman in that, but if you, if you, if you, if you no, not, not, not to be insulting, but if you, if you watched Smallville and the time that, that Michael was on there, he was the most Lex, he was the most Lex Luthor of all the Lex Luthors there ever been as far as like being, you know, kind, but devious, like on the sly. But to be fair, John Glover as Lionel Luthor was the best Lex Luthor of all time on that show. Cause <laughs> goddamn, that guy was amazing on Smallville. But anyway, when they approached him, for, for this uh this big this giant massive crossover event where they're trying to get these people they he he said in, in an interview that they didn't offer a script they offered him nothing that he would be doing and they offered him no money apparently so he kindly told them to fuck off <laughs> he, he, even though they, his friends that he, he he loves are are, are going to be in this thing it's it's insulting to to him and and to, to to the fans, of course, because it's it, it's a real fan service. All of this, of course, because these are all people that you know, have you seen on TV. So the fact that you know they have like John Wesley Ship on the show as Jay Garrick, who's the the the, the other world Flash. He played the Flash on the the, the short lived CBS series, and the fans know this. And and they, when they when they, when he showed up as uh as um as um as Wally as um. Barry Allen's dad on the show, and then he shows up again. You know, spoilers: Barry Allen's dad dies, but he comes back again, but not really as the as the otherworldly Flash as Jay Garrick. And them seeing that was really awesome. Just like them seeing Michael Rosenbaum, if he if he was going to be included on this 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 crossover event, it would have been awesome too. Because, he, like I said, he 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 is my my my, my number one Lex Luthor, and for for good reason. And uh, I, I think it's a bunch of horseshit. I think it's insulting to the man, because he has a pretty successful podcast. He has a pretty successful a couple other things too, and he doesn't necessarily need the money. But I don't think it was about the money. I think it was about them just just throwing that shit off right at him. And I I don't blame him with the slash for telling them to, to go fucking hit the bricks. And uh, 
it's crazy because they, they got all this freaking money and they they make these shows and they make a lot of money off them. They film them in Canada, so they film them very very cheap. So they yeah, have no they have no excuse no excuse not to offer this man something better than that. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, Suzanne? Well, I mean, there was something with a writer, and this was several years ago with a. I really don't want to start throwing names and, ty- and shit out there, but I'm going to try to keep it as vague as I possibly can. And they were asked to provide a audio commentary for their new release of the DVDs. And the writer asked, so what are you paying me? Um, we, nothing. Don't you want to do this? Um, yes, I'd like to do this, but I'm not doing it for free. And therein lies the crux that, you know, writers, pay your fucking writers. Come on, people, pay the fucking writers. Well, you know, it, it, it's not like they, they bring nothing to the table. Well, apparently they don't because they treat them like that. And this is, um, it's crazy, man. I, I Although I will say, and the only reason to watch Supergirl last season, because I think the show is terrible, is that John Cryer shows up as, as Lex Luthor for a few episodes. Oh God, I I can't even picture that. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. You you kidding me, right? You have to look for him, watching because it was something special. It really was. The last thing that I loved John Cryer in was it Superman Four. Yeah, it's on the Superman Four. You know. No, 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 no. We're we're going on. Um, in which he played Lenny Luther and uh, uh, Lex's uh, uh, nephew in that movie. So. <laughs> And, I, and the sad thing is, it, oh, Hiding Out. That was the last thing I liked John Cryer in. I like Hiding Out. But I, that and Pretty in Pink are my two favorite John Cryer things he's ever done. That's my man. See, that's one of those unreleased on the Legion feed episodes where you can hear me dish on Pretty in Pink. And, you know. <laughs> no, I think I called you one night when I was watching it. Oh, yeah. To dish to somebody. You need, you need to, you know. And I was sobbing, and then I had to pull up every song that was in the movie. And I know your your, your Annie Potts was kind mm-hmm. of amazing in that movie. That's that's Gary's money shot every time. See, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> is it the Beehive? You have to the, tell me. It's, it's it's the Beehive. Yeah, the prom dress is great, but yeah, that that's that or um, the outfit where she has like um, her hair up in the net thing. Um, yeah, that one's hot too. What's up? Oh no, wasn't it the records? Yeah, that day. Yeah, yeah, she was Ducky's, getting Ducky's doing his thing. Yeah. Oh God, and he lays that kiss on her. Oh yeah, she felt it in her knees, man. <laughs> so you know, good. That's the kiss that you keep. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a bunch of shit though. But we're we're here tonight to to celebrate one fifty the proper way because I I didn't have this idea on my own. You hear this from other people, and somebody said, "Who would put who would put Free Jack and Get Out together?" I said, "I would because I think it fits together real well." And I'm really excited to talk about these films. Uh, Free Jack from 1992, starring uh, it's got a big cast. We'll look into that. And uh, Get Out as the Jordan Peele joint. Yes, that Get Out movie. But um, <clears throat> the theme of the show is, and I'm sorry for clearing my throat. Goddamn allergies is basically the whole mind-swapping deal, and they're done in two different ways in this movie. Very unique ways, I think. And, um, one electronically and one physically. So that's, a uh, there you go. Um, 
We'll get into Free Jack first. We'll go in this order, and there, there it is right there. From 1992, right after the break. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Furlong is about to die. And enter the year 2009, where immortality is only a heartbeat away, where money can buy anything. Shouldn't you consider an alternative body? Sorry to deceive you. Including life itself. They just grab somebody who's alive now. Take a look at these people, Alex. They've lived half their lives with the ozone layer. Tell me who's behind all this. I'm sorry. But I can't tell you that. Alex, don't you remember me? He died, Jewel. Someone paid to bring him back. I watched you die. Welcome to my mind. Don't resist. Lose your mind, and you can live forever. Free Jack. Free Jack from 1992. Your IMDb says this for a plot synopsis. Bounty hunters from the future transport a doomed race car driver to New York in 2009, where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire. Uh, It says a a big cast. Uh, Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger, uh, Rene Russo, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Banks, Buster Poindexter himself, David Johansson, and boy what he is, Amanda Plummer. Oh, I forgot Frankie Faison shows up in this movie. Love that so much. Uh, and Easter, yes, Easter Morales, and my fifth favorite uh, Lex Luthor of all time, John Shay from Lois and Clark. Oh yes, <laughs> but John Shay has been in everything. He's... That's what I remember him from, though. Is for fucking Lois and Clark, though. I know he's acted a bunch. Um, this is directed by Je- Jeff Miller, who uh, <laughs> worked for Morgan Creek apparently because he also directed Young Guns too. Which also starred in the OS Tevez. And um, I'm going to kick it to Suzanne first and say, hey, this is a first time watch for you. What do you think of the mindfuck known as Free Jack? You know, I can see. I started 
okay, this movie came out in the middle of my I want Emilio Estevez now phase of my life. It was Young Guns and God, he was in fucking everything. And me and my friends were still reliving the glory days of Breakfast Club. Do you have a fixation on short men? This goes on with you right now over this this phase? You your short dude phase? Yeah, I I can't wait till he is so destitute that he starts doing shit. He starts doing cons. I cannot wait for that day. And I'm I swear to God, I'm probably going to be a foot taller than him, aren't I? Probably. But I started watching this movie several times, and I could never get into it. It was just, you know how I get about it's there's a specific specific yeah specific. I don't do words good. Come on now, you know. <laughs> yeah, words bad. And I thank you, Terry, for filling me up with three bottles of wine at lunch for driving you. Uh-huh. Oh, so I don't know how I missed this movie. I, I guess at that point in time, you know how we all get into our little our our, our, our places. We don't. I didn't like science fiction. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And this kind of fell into the crack of. Oh my god, this just looks so super sci-fi stupid. I don't want to watch it. Even though Emilio's in it, I made it five minutes in. Mick Jagger's in it, which kind of wanted to keep me in, but I just couldn't watch it. And I finally, the other day, and I, I pretty much had to take my phone and put it in a different room because I'm like, I can see myself just going through and trying to ignore what is going on. It's a, it's a telegraphed movie. You can figure it out. But it was genuinely a fun movie. I loved the setup. I loved their digital spider web catching him the second before he died. Spoiler. But then again, the movie is in 1992. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not going to watch it. So I'm helping you out here. I really, I thought it was fun. There was some bad green screen, but... I will take bad green screen over the horrible CGI that's just pasted all over everything. Well, this is 1992 green screen, which isn't really fair to say, hey, this is bad green screen. This is just how green screen really started out. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm doing my best. I could watch something like Darkman, and there's a scene where Darkman is, is, is swinging from the construction site. And it looks oh, like the, terrible. Oh it my looks, god! It looks just like this. It's not like you know. You can say, "Hey, it looks bad." It's like no. It's just the way the effects were back in those days when they were using green screen. But the one thing I found incredibly funny is the first fifteen minutes that Mick Jagger's even on screen. He says four words. Three of my best, my, my favorite line of the whole movie is he, he just simply says, get the meat. I love the line that, you know. I know, but it's delivered so terribly because, I mean, I've saw him, I've watched performance. And if Mick Jagger is not playing Mick Jagger, then you get this God caricature of him trying to speak the English language. But I mean, the, I did, it, I did enjoy the movie. It, I just thought parts of it were just, um, God, overdrawn, overdone. Um, the scene at the diner. Oh my God. They could have shaved. This movie was what, an hour and 45 minutes? Oh, no, it's an hour and 50. Hour and 50 minutes, yes. They could have cut 
if they had cut a good 15 minutes off of this, it would have been a little bit more concise. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the, I, I enjoyed the race. Not really the, well, the way that they projected the race at the very beginning. And believe me, I was like watching that. I was like watching rush or driven. And then all of a sudden he's in this spider web. Oh, you, brought a, you brought up driven. That's one of my favorite bad racing movies ever. It's driven. Oh, bad racing movie is awesome. It's, it is awful, but I like it. <laughs> it's not awful. Oh, come on. Sylvester <laughs> Stallone, I'm sorry. Sylvester Stallone picking up quarters in the tires while he's humming. Oh, it's so fucking cheesy. I love it, though. Come on. It's fun. It is. I love that movie. I've watched it about 20 times. Pat and I will randomly just watch that just for fun. And Rush, the one that Ron Howard did, not yeah. the... Uh, not, 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 not the heroin one? Gotcha. Yeah, not the heroin one. <laughs> but no, I love a good race car movie. And this one, I I don't know. I, I know you're going to have a whole lot of cutting to do on this one because I am rambling. That's okay. Ramble on. Yeah, Like the song says. Ramble on. Oh, I hate you that. i really just enjoyed the movie like i said there are a few parts i found that went just a little bit too long i enjoyed the diner i enjoyed him like seconds before he was gonna die getting trapped in the spider web and being brought back and trying to make his way in god help me the rough and tumble 2009 new york city that was rough, you know. It's like it's like oh, forty. Yeah. It's like forty seconds. We came back and blew up, you know. I know. And the reality of two thousand nine New York City is so goddamn gentrified. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my own, my real big issue with this movie is once you hit a certain point, and he went and reconnected with the his, you know, the love of his life, Renee Russo. It was still still looking ravishing, by the way, at this point, you know. Oh, yeah. She still looked good in Nightcrawler. Yeah. But they projected the rest of the movie. Well, I, I think the big the big part of the of the slowdown is the guts of this movie. I think for from the point of when he, he ran into the the Eagle Man, as they call him in the credits, Frankie Faison, of the oh, yeah. eating the river rat. I think from that point to, 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 to where... She finds him, and he he's gonna go. He's gonna go get away, you know, with the help of Lex Luthor himself, John Shay, and that's to, to that point. I think it, it, it's pretty dull, and then it, then it heats up again because, of course, you get to what what the movie's about, which is this rich billionaire played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, who's Rene Russo's boss in the movie, is dead, and the, I think one of the biggest flaws in the plot of this movie, not just back in two thousand nine. Looks like, you know, futuristic hellscape. Which I, I love that they built all the vehicles for this. And they, they built all the crap. They're, they're, they're the, old metallic dune buggies. Oh, yeah. those That was fun. That was, once again, back to the craftsmanship of the older movies. But, you know, once you, when you, until you get to that point, I, I think, and for when he leaves her apartment, because she doesn't believe it's him, till you get to that point, there's a real lull in the film... And I, I think that's that's the that's the part where you could have done some cutting to make this a good clean hour forty minutes, hour thirty seven minutes, you know. Yeah, that, like I said, that was my big problem when I sat through this. I mean, I did enjoy it, 
but there are just some long ass lulls mm-hmm. where you're waiting for something, anything, and it's a whole lot of walking, it's a whole lot of talking, and you know how much some of our friends hate the whole walking and talking and you know the the plot development. Unfortunately, there's no plot development at this point. Mm-hmm. I think the action sequences in this movie are fantastic. I love the gunfights. I love the car chases. Okay, there's a part of this movie where he's being chased, of course. So, as a race car driver, the most practical car you want to steal is a giant wine truck that has all this weight on the back of it, so you can move fast that way. Well, he's he did find a way to streamline it. Yeah, by accident. But why would you pick this car to say, hey, I have to get away from somebody, but I know... Because there's a point in the film where he goes to David Johansson's apartment, who was his former boss, and he, he recognizes, you know, the hubcap. So this is a guy who knows about cars, and he knows how fast cars can go. He knows he's on the run, so he picks this fucking wine truck that could probably go about 45 miles an hour in, in, a, in, a, in a car chase with these giant metallic, you know, tanks, basically, that can go much faster than him. Yeah. It's... It, it, there are, this movie is very strange. Mm-hmm. I okay. One of my the one point in this movie where I fucking fell out laughing is when the actual transfer was taking place. Oh yeah. Do you remember the game Jacks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like a giant Jack. It's like yes, a it giant Jack, and I'm like looking at this going, "What in the fuck? That's a Jack." Well, I guess if you have to touch two two balls with a giant phallic thing in the middle of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I thought. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a jack. I mean, could you not? It, was this like a last minute decision? You've run out of money after all of these, you know, elaborate chases and gunfights. And, you know, the, I mean, one of my favorite. There is a great action sequence in this movie when they're down by the docks. Oh, yeah. I mean that was that was kind of intense. That was a really really well shot gunshot gunfight scene. I enjoyed that. Where, where of course you know you you lose probably the most realist character in the whole film, uh, mm-hmm. Rene Rene Russo's black manservant. Uh, she loses him in this scene. Oh, I know. And I have to admit, it was it should have been a little bit more climatic than it was. It was just kind of all right. Well, he did. Moving mm-hmm. on, but oh, yeah. he. It was still, it was, it was fun. I mm-hmm. did enjoy it. And I, I have to admit the the cheesy Mick Jagger at the end, I absolutely hated. Mm, I, I think he's got some funny moments in here. Like the, the part where he um, is talking back and forth in the video screen. Yeah. He just seems like he's having a great time. And I, I have to say in the IMDb, it says they literally got him a week before this movie's going to shoot, and he was so excited about the script that he was he was all gung-ho for it. And so, and you can tell at certain points in this that he's he's having a lot of fun. Like, that that that, that, that exchange to him, Emilio Estevez, about, um, you, you couldn't catch a cold, you couldn't catch the clap in a whorehouse, you know? <laughs> that's that's a great lie, you couldn't catch the clap in a whorehouse. And, uh, oh. But yeah, he, he he's uh, right on his tail the whole time. I always thought the term... The bone jackers was was an awesome term for uh, a bad guy, and um, yeah, well now Jack is a completely yeah. different. Yes, indeed. Well, if you want to get weird about it, you know, come on. You, I'm just talking <laughs> about bounty hunters here. You get you getting all weird about it, Suzanne. You know. Yeah, I guess I am getting a little weird. 
Uh, no, but me, myself. And let me, let me tell you right now, up front, Free Jack is not a good movie. It's just not in the traditional sense. But there's a lot of stuff that'll that'll keep you in it. Like, the first thing I've heard about this movie was when I seen that Scorpions video on MTV. And oh, they, my God. They, they have a great song that, that that plays at the end of this movie, and I was always jealous of my Uncle Mike. He was he was stationed in Germany, so he had all the Scorpions albums that didn't come out here. He, he brought them back with him from the army. So my, my Uncle Mike was the and it's something I guess to be proud of. He was the aforementioned expert on the Scorpions. He had all the albums, even the ones you couldn't get here. Although you could probably get here now. Who who knows? He it was pretty dope back in those days, but. When that video hit MTV, and of course they have, this is a time where they showed like video from the movie inside the the music video and yada yada yada. I was I was down. I was down like a clown for this movie to go see it, and I probably didn't see it till video though. But so I'm sorry. I think I enjoyed the video more. Actually, I no, I can't say that, but I do remember the video, and I actually watched all of the credits. Because there was a bunch of songs that I heard in there. I mean, Jesus, there was Jesus and Mary Jane. My favorite ministry song was in this movie for like about two and a half seconds. But I mean, the backbeat, I, I will actually give the music and the score for this movie a 10. Cool. I respect that. But yeah, like the reason, reasons to watch Free Jack, reasons to watch Free Jack is a lot of the great character actors you see in this movie. Uh, David Johansson for once, for, 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 for once, for one, you know, this was the time where he was, uh, acting a good handful of things. I mean, did this movie, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, of course, Scrooged, uh, I think in 89. So he, he was, uh, he was acting a whole bunch of stuff and acting pretty much playing the same character. And, and this is no exception. He plays his sleazy manager who of course turns him in to the bone jackers, <laughs> To, yeah. to to get the to get the, the the booty to get the money, and um, the, he's a lot of fun. Frankie Faison, I mentioned uh, the the Eagle Man, the homeless guy who lives on the river. The short time you have with him, you know, it's, and then the really stu- the really stupid. I'm sorry. No, Frankie Faison is one of the shining points of the movie. The, the really stupid way he went out he, that that was really dumb. Um. Mick Jagger, for, I mentioned already, but for, for being a non-actor, like I said, he's having, he's having a lot of fun in this movie, and it shows, so he's embracing the, this shit role he was given to, 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 to a T, and poor Isai Morales is playing second fiddle to him, and he's an actor, uh, working with a non-actor, and he's trying real hard, and, uh, He's got one lens on his glasses, and I, I've always appreciated the one lens glasses. Like, maybe he had, like, an accident that we don't know nothing about, or maybe he has, like, some kind of cyber implant, because this is 2009, after all. Come on, people. Uh, yeah. Um, Jonathan Banks, who's seen tons of stuff. Renee Russo is just playing that part she always plays. I don't think she ever had, like, a, a role where she wasn't playing, like, the supporting something. I think she was... Probably the most sassy in, in Tin Cup, if I had to pick a movie where she's especially sassy. No, I disagree with you 100%. I think it was Major League. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. Even then she was settling, Suzanne. Come on, no. It's a... <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, I, I remember that one scene where she screams at Tom Berenger. It's like, I had a much better body than she did. That's good stuff. <laughs> 
You're still upset over Moby Dick. Is this the whale section? I love it so much. <laughs> I can quote Major League. Uh, Matt Sives, if you're listening, uh, you can come on do Major League on our show anytime you want to, okay? That's good stuff. Um, who else? There, there's, there's, there's other points. And that, but like, like we're, everything we mentioned before, that there's a, there's a part in the middle that really slows the film down to, to a film that, that wasn't 100% great to begin with, so... You put that in there. You made this movie. You made this movie a cool hundred minutes. I, I need a new cut of this movie, and I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention Amanda Plummer, the 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 no nonsense uh, revolutionary nun who who kicks Jonathan Banks in the balls, and it's it's just fun. And then she and then she dies. She's basically playing Honey Bunny. Yeah, I like it though. I like it. I like the character. And I, I like I like the the, the 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 little bit of action set pieces you get in this movie. Yeah, this, the, this, the pieces were fun. I mean, the initial crash mm-hmm. is oh yeah, film film great. It is beautifully filmed, and as we've talked about, driving movies. Yeah, that was a fucking beautiful scene. Because he's a he's a Formula Un racer. I'll say Un every time because of uh, Ricky Bobby, and um. <laughs> um, yes but yeah yeah basically he's driving and how, how he gets killed is he's going so fast that his his wheel collides with another wheel and he literally soars through the air to crash into the 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 the, the um the, the balcony wherever it is above him yeah the nissan sign yeah <laughs> appropriate but yeah that that's filmed really great emilio has has a lot of fun in this movie uh, Easter egg. I'm only gonna give you guys one because this is one that I noticed that was a pretty big. I, on this watch, I noticed that that he he wears his Billy the Kid hat at a point in this movie, and I love that that shows up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have to admit, um, there was a moment where I needed a towel. Was it the Billy the Kid hat moment? You know? Yeah, it was kind of Billy the Kid hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I mentioned we mentioned a lot of stuff already, and I, I don't have a whole lot more to talk about this film. I have a good time with it. I know it's crap. <laughs> Su- Suzanne, any final thoughts about the film? I want to give it one to ten. It it is kind of crappy. It's not a great movie. It needed a lot of cutting because there were just way too many draggy points. There were. I, I, I read there's, there, there was a lot. There was a lot of rewrites I read to add like humor and action sequences to it. I that. I do not doubt that for a minute because there was a lot of scenes in the movie that just really had no business being there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of scenes that were just too long. Yeah. I mean, but my, the one scene that dragged for me, even though there was like that unintentional humor, I can see this being one of the rewrites looking for humor was in the diner. Mm-hmm. Did that really need to go on for 10 minutes? Well, that could have. They, they had to show that guy eating disgusting food and you know starting shit with him and stuff for ten minutes though. Oh sure, why not? You know, no, no I agree. And I this like I said, this movie came out. It hit HBO at the height of my. I want to marry Emilio Estevez. I was I was a young twenty year old at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But I just it it took me a long time to actually be able to sit down and watch it. And now that I know that Mick Jagger was really stoked to be in it, I can kind of take his role with a bit of a grain of salt. Because it was just, everything just felt so forced with him. And I was like, wait, he was just, 
loosening up and falling into his role. And by the end of the movie, it's a little different. So is it a great movie? No. Do you want to kick back and lose an hour and 50 minutes of your life and watch something fun? And harken back to the gentle 80s, or sorry, gentle 90s. <laughs> this is a good movie for that, but I really am not scoring it higher than a six. By the way, filmed in Georgia, not New York City at all. So apparently, oh, this Georgia is what was, they... uh, apparently Georgia was really a rough time in 2009. Yeah, yeah, that's um, in 2000, or sorry, in 1994, I moved to Georgia to pursue a writing career. That's a that's an interesting vibe. Yeah, that Georgia's exploding is a, a great place to film. So hey, congratulations to everybody that made it. Yeah, me myself. Go go, go watch it, enjoy yourself. But that's all I'm going to say about this movie. It's, it's a tagline: Alex Furlong died today. Eighteen years from now, he'll be running for his life. <laughs> yeah, for, that's for, a terrible for, tagline. Yeah. Because it, it really doesn't explain a whole lot, you know. I could say, you know, I, I don't even know. It's 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 a movie that that I lo- that I like a lot. This is a movie I've seen more than probably eight times because I just keep going back to it and having fun with it. And it's not not to say, hey, this is this is a great piece of cinematic work that you all need to see. I don't think so. I, it's just something that I have fun with, and I didn't do it because I thought Suzanne would hate it. Hell, she likes it a lot more than I thought she was gonna like it actually. So. <laughs> So it's 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 not to, to give Suzanne something to hate watch because this is something a movie that her husband does love and I I figured that he did love a movie like this. Oh yeah, he does. So this this is a pat watch and uh, uh, that Suzanne happens to like. So don't say that too loud, Sue. He'll make you watch it a lot and you know say hey, remember that time you said you liked Free Jack a little bit? <laughs> let's, let's let's turn it on, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Th- you get some great cheesy actor performances, you know, out of everybody in this movie. So if you want to watch, um, you don't want to watch them ham it up in this movie. I I, I recommend it because nobody's turning in their best work, but they all seem like they're having an okay time with it. So I I, I give it I give it that, and um, I give it a six out of ten. It's not perfect at all. It's not even it's not even wonderful. I I I say it's 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 a it's a watch though. Go check it out. It's a piece of 2009 people that you'll yeah. never get back ever again. You know, never. you'll never get past the ruins of New York or Georgia and, you know, and the you know the marinated grilling of River Rats. So I want Man. to really want to know what was in the marinade because that he talked about the marinade. I imagine it's something in the organs that he just like mixed together. And, you know, because he, he yeah. seemed like a, a real culinary chef and. Um, <laughs> It it looked like some good taco meat to me. I don't know. Maybe the river rat is a uh, is a delicacy that we do not know nothing about. Oh, then again, you know, it's whenever you get tacos, you know, the better they are. Do you actually want to know what they're what's in them? Maybe it's river rat. Could be. Could be same thing with sausage. Could be river rat. Could be horse. Could be con- <laughs> could be condom chorizo. You know, come on. Now. A, <laughs> I was just watching the league today, so there's that, and we're ran- we're rambling again. Yeah. Let's 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 get away from the rambling and we'll move on to our next feature, which is the Jordan Peele written and directed Get Out, and that's coming up right next. Right next, coming up next. That's just bad English, people. I'm sorry. 
Coming up next. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter. I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see another brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. There's too many white people, I get nervous. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Get out from 2017. Your plot synopsis is this. A young African-American, male obviously, visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where it's simmering, uh, where it's his simmering uneasiness about, is about her reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. And that's fucking terrible. But I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, this is a movie that, that Jordan Peele made. If you guys know, you guys know who he is by now. Uh, he is a member of the Key and Peele comedy group which I prefer to any of his movies, but that's just me. That's a personal choice. I prefer the comedy, the straightforward comedy rather than a little digs. But, um, tagline for this is, just because you're invited doesn't mean you're welcome. That's kind of horse because they, they want him for his fucking body, man. Come on now. Uh, uh, that one guy wants him for his eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. What a slave auction this is. Suzanne, uh, get out. 
Here's some, some thoughts, babe. Okay. Um, well, you've spent plenty of time with Pat and I to know that our movie dynamic is weird. This is one movie that after we watched it, we ended up like two days later watching it again. And we talked about it for weeks. We had to go to a christening and the christening was, of course, an hour and a half away. So the entire drive there, we were just dishing about this movie. And I'm the first person to say, you have to look at most horror. Horror, in this, they, this, they really never classified this as a horror movie. They did. It was more of the thriller. Anything that I've seen it categorized as, it's never, ever been listed as horror. And horror is generally, it's got its tropes, but you know how horror goes. It's mostly white people doing dumbass white people thing. Hashtag white people. And I like seeing a different slant on the genre. Paranormal activity. Those got so fucking dull. And then they did the marked ones. And you got to see the Latino flair on the entire genre. And that actually made that movie. It should have never been part of that family. I am way going off on a tangent. I Believe me, I promise I will come back around. It's a cultural thing. It's fine. But they brought a Latino flair, and that made that movie so good that it should have just been called The Marked Ones and not in the Paranormal Activity family because it was, it was so different from what they'd been doing. This did the same thing. I mean, there have been, I, I hate saying African-American movies because, I mean, whatever you say that, it goes back to, you know, the, the black exploitation stuff. This, I thought, was a very fascinating take on our fucked up culture right now. How many people can you get to just disappear? What race can you just pull and... No one cares. Cops don't care. No one gives a shit. Oh, they just ran off. They did this. And I thought that was a really, really brilliant thing that he did. Although I agree with you. The stuff that he did with Keegan Michael Key was, I love Key and Peel. I think I've gone through and watched their sketch show like three or four times over. The sketch w- with the racist zombies is one of the best things oh, ever. God, that is hilarious. <laughs> I actually just watched that one again a few weeks ago. So fucking good. I'm sorry, continue. I I definitely know that I'm kind of rambling. But I thought this was fantastic. And once again, you have a great cast of characters. You've got Bradley Whitford. Didn't he he's so fantastic in everything he's ever been in. I loved him in West Wing. I loved him in Studio 60, and he shows up randomly in things. And, of course, Catherine Keener, who's been in fucking everything. Oh, she's got my heart, man. I love that woman. And her just sitting there with that teacup <laughs> and just fucking with his head. And the fact, it, the, the, I mean, like I said, the first time I saw it, I watched, I've got to the point now that I don't watch trailers if I decide I want to watch a movie, I don't, I really just don't want to know anything about it because, you know, my stance on trailers lately, they give the entire movie away and I just, I just don't watch them anymore. But everyone was going up to him. It's like, oh, 
How's your golf game? You play basketball? You do this? It, it was it was essentially a parody on like a slave auction because oh, it they, was. They, they were like grabbing his arm, basically <laughs> basically saying, "Hey, you got a good back," you know, stuff like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's really it's 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 done playfully, but that's that's what it is, you know. So it, that's exactly what it was, and oh my god, I mean the I, I don't know what his name is, but the guy who played their son, mm. like oh, so MMA, you do that. And was basically trying to, I, I really, that was one of the the weird things in the movie. I'm like, what was he trying to prove with that? Trying to fight him, trying to size him up. Because, you know, the brother was much smaller. Mm-hmm. That was like, what? once again, that's like kind of one of my things. I'm like, what? I don't, it was one of the, I did not understand the point of those interactions. And I think that's probably going to be my only bitch. And I just think it was, it's, it's more like a toxic masculinity thing to the point of he, yeah. he, he knows the score, he knows what's going on, he knows why he's there, but he's still trying to size them up in a way to say, you know, almost like this, we're, we're, we're more superior than you, you know, in every way, you know, let me yeah. prove it or something like that. And, you know. Oh, yeah. I think for me, one of the creepiest scenes in the movie and he's talking, oh, let's go sit outside and just play bingo. And they, he's just making motions with his hands with numbers, and people are holding up their cards. And for me, that whole bit of silence is probably the creepiest moment of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you, you can't hear what they're saying. And I, I can see, you know, the, the, the fact that you really don't see the reveal until about halfway through that sequence. Until you precisely, until you precisely know what's going on. Yeah, I mean it's not. But, but you, you you don't know why, obviously. But you know you you know what's going on. Yeah, like I said, at this point, I still don't watch trailers, so I'm like going, "Oh my god, what the fuck are they going to do to him?" And then you see the other black man in the movie who's with his the 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 six year old woman, and he's acting basically like an old man. Yeah. And the the weirdness of the housekeeper and the groundskeeper, and I, their names have escaped me, and I apologize for that. But acting just fucking weird. Oh, it was a we we we've all seen this movie. The ones listening to the show, it's it's about mind swapping, okay? And yeah, the the, the 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 housekeeper woman is supposed to be the grandmother. Yeah. So I, I don't get why why they would keep them around in those roles if they were supposed to be like the patriarch of their family which is a big problem I have with this movie is it like these people do the wrong in them or you know because obviously grandpa you see in the video later on is the one that came up with this shit yeah so, that's what I found really weird especially what was her name uh, why I have no idea why I cannot remember but you know the, the housekeeper mm-hmm. she was definitely not a matriarch. She never, ever played that part. Catherine Keener always felt, seemed to be the one who had the reins of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, when her son got out of line and she would, two words to him and he was like, you've already damaged him enough. And he's, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this is just one of those movies. It's, it, it was, it, it was different. I mean, the mind swap thing, obviously, but I just, there's something, there's something special about this movie. 
and the ending of this movie is basically they spent, you know, Jordan spent a long time. And it's actually not all that long. And the movie's only, what, an hour and 40 minutes? Something like that, yeah. But no, this is a nice, concise, beginning, middle, end movie. But he spends proper times on every aspect. And I just, uh, damn, it builds up to that, you know, everyone talks about most movies, like, oh, wait, well, you have all those character built, but oh my God, the last 20 minutes, holy shit. Yeah, the last 20 minutes of this movie is brutal, bloody, and you're cheering. I think, I just think he did something right here. I watched the alternative ending and I hated it. Yeah, I don't like it very much. It's terrible. Although I think, if if you guys haven't watched it, it basically, the alternate ending is him getting busted after murdering these people. And he he goes to jail and his his, uh, TSA buddy Rod comes to visit him. And I, I like the 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 dialogue that he their conversation is pretty great. But if if you watch this movie and there's a part in the film where they of course they get pulled over, he's getting hassled by the man because either because he's black or he's not black. Of course the girlfriend shines on the cop. She 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 cheers him away. And you would think that in in this little small area they're in, they would have the run of the cops. They would have the run of everybody. He should have been caught. So in a way, yeah. the alternative ending is more realistic because they, they, he did leave after after beating her to a pulp, leaves her alive at the end of this movie. Well, so there, there is at least one witness to to, to 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 go against him in this situation. Yeah, I just I, I like the ending that was I like the theatrical ending, but is the alternative ending more realistic? Absolutely. Oh man. Yeah, my, my thoughts on this film. I, I, I dig it. I, I can't say it's bad. Um, I, I, I think that, that, that Jordan Peele really really dishes up a cautionary tale and that most brothers don't find out until the end. I hate to use the word brothers, but you can't go out and date a white woman and think she's going to act right, you know? Because sometimes they don't. <laughs> this, 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 this is a cautionary tale of that. Because this, this, this is a, a woman who lures in men for, for, for nefarious means. You know, and other women do this too for other reasons, but this one is the case of kidnapping uh, young, nubile black men to replace their minds with crusty old white people's brains. And one of the most fucked up things about this movie is that there's a, there's a part there's a point in this movie where he goes he gets under hypnosis by uh, by Catherine Keener, and he goes into a place called the Sunken Place. And you guys have all seen this film, but the most fucked up part to me is that. When um he's having the conversation with Stephen Root on TV, who is the the blind guy who wins him in the auction because he's blind, and our our lead character is a photographer, and Stephen Root is a failed photographer who lost his eye who lost his eyesight altogether, so he wants to try to relive his glory days through his eyes literally because he has an eye for 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 um for photography and he wants that he wants this you know in a very selfish way. But he he does want this, and he paid he paid a lot of money for him, obviously, and um, but yeah, the the, the idea of him having a conscious part of his brain left, but that part of the brain is stuck in the sunken place. That that part of the film is more terrifying to me than anything else, because I couldn't imagine myself being in limbo, you know, inside somebody else's brain while they're they're living their life, and you're just in constant torture for for the rest of yours. 
Because you got that little piece of yourself. Being a passenger in your own body. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of really that, That's that's the that most is, fucked up part of this movie to me is that that aspect of of the process of them switching the, the brain like that. Yeah, that was once again different take, which is I think why these two movies just mesh so well together. In, in a weird in a weird fucking way, yes it does. But uh yeah, the auction part we mentioned um yeah, there's a there, there's a little stuff that I, that bothered me in the film. The only reason why he escapes, and they they show him, you know, digging his fingernails against the leather chair and the the cotton of the chair coming up. And the really reason why he escapes is, you know, from from the noise from the television, he doesn't get hit by it because he put cotton in his ears at some point in time. But he's tied to this chair, so I don't know how said cotton got in his ears. This is a small gripe, you know. But he does escape, and he does kill Bradley Whitford with with the 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 deer head, and that's pretty awesome. He bludgeons the the, the over misogynistic son in the head with the with a croquet ball, and uh, I thought it was a bocce ball. Uh, either way, it's something white people play, Suzanne. That's the, white that's, people sport. It's a white people sport ball. Yes, it's some kind of white people sports ball. He bludgeons them in the head with it. Of course, you can't you can't you know can't get the carcass still peeled off the road he does come back again you know like a good villain does and tries to do him in and, and there's a part of this film that me, me and court were talking about on facebook and in which there she's looking for her next victim or her next her next get you know because with, with this movie totally works in the world of today not so much in like the personal ads of many years ago in which you look online for men i know i have a cousin who does this and she's a kind of a pig of a person for doing this because you, you, you pay for a man. It's kind of like reverse prostitution. I'm just throwing it out there, okay? And, um, <laughs> she's doing this. And she just, there's a point in the film where she has Fruit Loops in one in the bowl and the milk in the glass and Court was trying to tell me it's because she's trying to separate the the, um, the, the colored food for, from the white food and I was like, no, I think this bitch is just fucking tedious and she's this fucking maniacal it's like yes, it's, she's like a she's like a James Bond villain in this scene. It's like I'm gonna take small bites of this cereal and then drink a sip of milk, you know, looking very devious about it. And but um, that could be a thing. This could be in the commentary. I don't fucking know. I just know when I see people doing crazy shit like that, I know they're fucked up in the head. So I no, said, a, I'm sorry. No, that's a total white girl thing to do. So, so I said, if you would have known this, with the way this bitch eats fucking Fruit Loops, he should have dumped her right then. But you know, he did not know the way she eats Fruit Loops, so it's a, it's more of a personal thing to where if I seen somebody doing something like that, that's that's a deal breaker, man. You know, if you see me with a box of Fruit Loops, I have a fist full of them, and I am shoving that fist in my mouth. Cause your whole fist? Well, not my whole fist, but I'm shoving the fist full of. Fruit Loops in my mouth. I'm not eating them one by one. Because now I'm Fruit imagining you, were... stick, you stick your whole fist in your mouth. It kind of makes me entertained now. See, like you know, <laughs> it's like look at the useless talent I can do. I can put my whole fist in my mouth. You know. Oh my god, that is so bizarre. <laughs> but no, it's 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 a terrific movie. You know, filled with you know, it, it like the the part where I guess I forget his name of the film. But you know her, her mistake one is is finding a guy who's from the, the keep picking the same neighborhood because you you come to find out that the guy at the party who's with the older older white woman is some guy that he knows obviously because he recognized them he took a picture of him 
send it to his friend Rod from TS motherfucking A, and they find out that this TS motherfucking A find out that this is some guy from the neighborhood. So angry white girl, that's your mistake number two right there. For for you know, this doesn't seem very very conniving or very diabolical of you doing this. And but there's a part where he malfunctions and. Do these people get like? Did you get like warranties or something with these fucking slaves? Because they they must bring him back and say, "Hey, he's fucking up here. Like we need we need a reboot." And Catherine. Oh, that scene was so totally stolen from the Stepford Wives. And that's fine, you know. Oh, I'm I'm okay with that. I'll take it from Jordan Peele because if you watch Jordan Key and Peele the comedy show, this is a man who loves films and the the, the films that, that we love. So. I respect him doing. It. I respect. I even respect Rob Zombie to an extent for doing it because there was a. I didn't mention Three from Hell, but I, I saw Three from Hell too. Three from Hell as well. There was a lot more heart in that movie than any other Rob Zombie film that ever existed. So, and I, I could tell that this is a guy who li- who likes to watch films. This is a guy who loves the homage films, and the Stepford Wives thing is apparent in, in which you find out what, what the, the true motive of our, of our hosts are. And yeah. th- this, this is the guy who's seen the Stepford Wives, obviously. And, and that's fine. Cause he didn't like take it the whole thing. Hey, guess what? They're robots. Although if you had a robot, you know, like a rich white person in there, like, Hey, I, st- I stabbed you with those, those elk horns, but guess what? I'm still alive. Cause guess what? I'm a fucking robot or something. I don't need it personally, but you know, I would take it in a movie like this because it's so fucking out there. It's like the last act of the movie, actually the last two acts of the movie. Actually, no, actually, I, I was correct on the first count. The, the last act of the movie, the Elkhorns go back to Salem's Lots. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess you would call the auction the second act. And it was so very Stepford Lots. Mm-hmm. Because it just seemed like their responses were so robotic. And I've actually, The Stafford Wives is one of my favorite movies. I've watched the movie. I've read the book countless times. And when she starts malfunctioning, like he did when he got flash in his face, I just started repeating things. And it seemed like the same thing happened with the, I guess, the grandmother when she unplugged his phone yeah she's just sitting there and just it's the same robotic responses and i kept asking her i kept waiting for her to say i must get the recipe i must get the recipe mm-hmm. i must get the recipe and that I was pretty much i remember the scene yeah and that just completely took me back to that movie oh but there's there's little stuff like little little, little dialogue choices like uh and this isn't even a slide of the film. This is just Jordan Peele talking about what white some white people think, and he's not wrong. Like the the the, the point of her her telling him, "Oh, my father's not racist. He would have voted for for Obama for a third term." A third time, yeah. And then yeah. He, he mentions that again when when they're they're doing the tour of the house, like yeah, something about Obama. I forget what it is. And then of course the the the, the part we're talking about where they he's meeting everybody at the garden party, and um. The guy's talking about golf. He's like, you know, Tiger's Tiger's the man, or Tiger's my favorite, or something. He says like that, best in the game, or something. And um, the 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 whole garden party's fucking like bizarre because it's just it's just something that stupid white people say like constantly. The the it big the big 
the big birdie, the big bearded guy says to Titty Black is in fashion again, which is like, yeah, I guess they all want to be black because you know whatever. It's it's really it's really strange dialogue with certain people's ears, but when you listen to it, if you if you live, if you're brought up the way I was brought up, I, I I'm pretty much I'm not I'm not calling myself black by association, but I've lived in impoverished areas all my life, so these are the friends I would hang out with. And this is the way they would talk and make fun of white people like these. And yeah, I I I get a lot of feeling for the feelings from that. And um, it's just it's just the the, the dialogue choices I think are <clears throat> a little too on the nose, but they really work in the situation. I think um, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when he goes up to go get his phone. He discovers it's unplugged. That the 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 part before that, and this has been done in countless things, but this is when you know something's all the way up. Because when he walks up the stairs, they're all standing there in absolute silence, just staring up the stairs, like, what's going to happen next? But of course they go, yeah. have, their, have their auction, but that split second, that those couple seconds where they're standing there, it's, it's just a, a great, you know, moment of the film to say, you know, what the fuck is really going on here? And then you find out what the fuck's really going on, and you say, that's really fucked up, where's going to go next? And then it goes into the place. So this is just this is a, just uh, um, uh, a film of movements, really. It just it just keeps moving into different directions, you know, culminating to what what you're gonna find, what you find out is the plot, what what their plan is, and I think it's a fine stew that works really well. But like I said, the ending is questionable. If these people were disconnected, to, to yeah, me. that's the that is the one thing that is kind of the 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 stinger for me because it's. There are certain things, if you're in this, they're obviously, if they're leaving New York City, they're obviously in a bedroom community in Connecticut. If, if you look at the people that were at the party, you could tell that this this, fam- this Armitage family, they have to be connected around the world. They have to yeah. be. In order to be able to pull off a scam this big, they have to be connected. They've got to have political, they've got to have police, they've got to have everything in their pockets. Yeah, and plus, that's plus, essentially they're selling a product that costs a lot of money, so they got to have some good some good influence in there. Yeah. Uh, but no, Get Out's a great film. I, I can't say a bit really terrible thing about it, except the small flaws that I mentioned. Uh, Suzanne, anything else about the film, and what do you give it one to ten? You know, so just talking about it with you, it's like I just, I mean, I know I talked about it with Pat, but it just. It's so reminiscent of the Stepford Wives and basically taking people and changing them into how you want them to be, or in this case, taking them and making them you, using their body and and burying their brain, burying, not really their brain, but burying their, their self. But this was just one of those movies that I said, Pat and I, we just don't really. Did you like it? Yeah. Did you like it? No. Yeah, it was a great kill. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how Pat and I talk about movies. We talked about this movie a lot. And it does have its, its, its minute flaws. The ending is so completely unrealistic. And, but I didn't like the alternate ending either. I, I just I like the way the movie played out. I thought it was really well done. I like the fact that they that 
Jordan Peele took, you know, African-Americans and basically put on display how disposable lives could be, how it was easy for people to think that they could vanish and no one would care. And I thought that was like the main point of the movie. But I, 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 I dig this movie a lot. I, I want to rate it really high. And I love the fact that he brought in so many elements from so many different places. But I got to sit at probably an eight, eight and a half. But I do enjoy the movie. This is probably my fourth watch. And I truly enjoy it. Cool. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm with an eight, really, because I think I didn't mention the big flaw of this movie for, for me is that once you know the reveal and you know what happens, there's not a whole lot more to it on a rewatch except the fact that it's a great movie. Like, you're, you're, you're looking for little subtle things like, what what can be here? What can be there? Like, when, once you know what the reveal is and what's going on, you're not really looking for any major subtext in the film because it's not really there. It's just kind of saying, hey, I, I think that Us, the movie Us, leaves you with a lot more questions. And people, uh, yeah. people down, you know, the ending of that movie by saying, oh, it's so open-ended. What's going to happen next? Maybe you're supposed to put it in your craw to say, maybe I should think about what's going to happen next. And well, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I, I'm I'm butting into you. Finish, please. Good. No, it's like everyone is expecting. You have to admit, movie making has changed in a, in the past probably ten years. Everyone wants an open and closed ending. Me, I prefer the endings where it's a little open-ended. And it's something that me and my friends used to, we would tear movies apart and discuss for days. I like that. I like the fact that you have to use a little bit of your own imagination to figure out what the next step is. It shouldn't be spoon-fed to you. You should have to think a little bit. So now I'm going to have to go watch Us, which I planned on watching months ago. That's good. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy both these movies, though. So, um, But yeah, like I said, it's not an insult to the film at all that I don't think a rewatchability is beneficial. But a rewatch is beneficial because it is it is a good movie. It's well put together. It's very well filmed. First time director of a film. And this has to be one of the best debuts that ever was really, if you think about it, and, and especially in this genre and, um, <clears throat> uh, characters are good. Movies. Good. <laughs> Don't go hunting those white girls. Cause it, it'll bite you in the ass. And I uh, think that was a big, big, not a big joke throughout the film, but there's a lot of people out there that have that illusion that, you know, you, you, you've had, had a whole lot of insane black women, so let me go try a white one and see if it gets any better. It's 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 an illusion. It really is, because they're crazy all over, you know? There's crazy uh, all over. And one of the other scenes, I mean, now that you mentioned that, is when his friend called his phone to check on him. And she's, like, turning on the sexy. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I always knew we would have, we could get something going on. He just, he took off two days ago. Yeah. You know, maybe, and he's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. He's like so um, not touching this pussy with a ten foot dick. You could you could tell that she was putting on the 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 devious there, and it was it was kind of 
the switch was very enjoyable with her like that. And I, great, great villains. And I, I, I love the film. Eight out of 10 though. It's, it's a recommend. It's a, it's a high recommend. And I, yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is our sloppy second segment, which court and I not really dissect, but give a love fest to, uh, the very Corman esque, uh, in, in a way, a lot, a lot of the filmmaker, one of the filmmakers and stuff worked on it, and I'm getting too deep into this. Caddyshack 2 on your sloppy second segment is coming up next. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! What goes around comes around. Welcome back to Caddyshack. Hey, Ty, you're looking well. Hey, nice to see you, Vinny. Uh, Ted, whatever. Bushwood Country Club. So, you want to join old Bushwood, huh? Where snobbery is a way of life. We just don't feel your Bushwood material. I want to buy Bushwood Country Club. Well, let me ask you this. Do I own it? But now its members are going to get what they deserve. What do you think? Isn't it great? That's huh? great, huh? isn't it? Huh? Good God. The shack is back. Our members will never stand for this. It's a story of high culture. I was looking for a polygrip. No, no. That loose stuff you put your combs in? No. And subculture. I got you now, you little furry freak. Sophisticated ladies. Ooh, you did that on purpose. Well, I won't be a caddy all my life. I'm going to car wash school in the fall. And perfect gentlemen. Have you ever seen a crisp $50 bill? I tell you what, if I pull the arrow out, will you... Please, suck out the poison for me. Caddyshack 2. Is there any money in it for me? I live. I die. I live again. Oh, my God, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. But this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture. Ah, uh, welcome back. Uh, this is Sloppy Seconds once again. And uh, we're doing Caddyshack 2 this time around, if you didn't hear the trailer before. Which, why wouldn't you, you know? But uh, Court is back again. How you doing, sir? I am excellent. And the seconds are very, very sloppy on this one. Uh, very maligned, unfortunately, <laughs> regardless of what I may or may not feel about it. Cool. <laughs> I have much more love for this film than probably most people. And I, from what I talked to Court about, he he, he may as well. But um, this film is like a, I think I, I think that the very first Caddyshack is a bit disjointed too. If you watch it, there's funny bits in it. But when you look past the funny bits, it's kind of like watching Stripes. You know, you get the funny bits, and then there's the filler. Well, this I think this movie has less filler than the original the, the original Caddyshack. But but with I'm not even gonna say lesser actors. But uh, this is directed by Alan Arkush, who's, uh, of course, uh, Corman alum uh, doing a Caddyshack movie, and that, that and that's fine. Uh, this stars Jackie Mason as replacement Rodney Dangerfield. This stars Robert Stack as replacement Ted Knight. 
There's a lot of replacement people in this movie. Jonathan Silverman is a replacement. Oh, what's that actor's name? That one that was on Roseanne as well as Caddyshack. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, the guy who played Danny in Caddyshack. Yes. He's a replacement Danny. Um, Paul Bartell shows up, of course, because this is a, a Corman joint in a way. Marcia, and it's fucking Paul Bartell. Yes, you gotta love him, man. Marsha Warfield. Then Randy Quaid. Chevy Chase. Dan Aykroyd. This is filled with stars that you love. And I think giving the best performances they can give in a movie like this. But Court, I'll kick it to you first. What do you think of Caddyshack 2? Okay, this is a childhood favorite for me. I've been watching this for a very long time. Uh, we kind of talked about it off mic a little bit. This was a, what, HBO staple, right? Right? <laughs> I lost my mic there, but yes, it was an HBO staple for sure. Yeah, and so I remember seeing this, not even knowing what movie it was because just like things happen whenever you had cable back in the day without any digital guides or anything like that. If something was on HBO, if you didn't have a TV guide for it or something, you would just watch it as a, you know, in the eighties. And then you would just basically not know what the movie was. So a lot of movies became the one with that guy with the blue tuxedo that turns a country club into a golf, uh, like themed amusement park, <laughs> you know? And, uh, it's just one of those things where that's what I always knew it as. And I always had a blast watching it as a kid and enjoying it and recognizing Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries and wondering what the hell he was doing in a movie and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've always had a lot of love for this film. And it wasn't until just recently when I realized that people hated this. Basically, I think the main reason they hate it is because it's not Caddyshack. And yeah, it's a fucking sequel. I mean, yes, it's going to be different. No, they couldn't get a lot of the people back, but like, do you really want to see a story where Rodney Dangerfield causes problems again at the same uh, country club? Or would you like to get a new story that's a little bit different? And I think that's kind of the route that sequels need to go, where they need to take and run with some of the themes and just kind of, you know, either build on the original story or uh, just change it up a little bit and kind of not necessarily rehash it, but give you some of the same jokes. And I mean, this hits all of the points that Caddyshack does. I think the thing that disappoints people is it's not the same nostalgic high as watching Caddyshack for them, but that's what I have. I have that for this, you know? I loved watching this again, and I had a total blast. And anybody who's watched this movie has got to probably say, Keep your eye on the fruit! Definitely, yes. Keep your eye on the fruit! <laughs> you know? Uh, and geez, there's just so much great stuff. I mean, like I could go in and break down each individual little scene, but... The big thing that I'm just going to kind of do a takeaway here, and I'll, I'll shut the hell up and let you talk. I'm sorry I'm babbling no, on. but fine. Go for it, man. Uh, it's the class warfare theme for this is super strong, and I dug it so much more. There's an idea of class warfare because Danny's obviously a poor kid, and he kind of gets a little bit of help with Ty, and you know he wins the tournament and does all this stuff. But Artunian's a rich guy, and from what they alluded to, He's richer than everybody else at that country club, right? Well, he's like new money, though. So it's, right. not, it's not like he's been rich all of his life. He's he's from Jersey, obviously. And he's, he, he, has, he has poor roots. But he, he came into money through his construction company. So he's like, much like Al Cervic, he, uh, Rod Dangerfield's character, he's new money. And they, they despise him for that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I dig the nouveau riche thing, and yeah, I dig that they're getting that, but like a lot of the stuff that Jackie Mason's character says in this, he actually says some things where um, 
they're talking about how like, you know, the plot of land that he bought or the field that he bought would be worth like 50 million if he developed it right or developed it for the people that want him to develop it and not do the income, how low income and housing that he wants to build. And he basically says to them all, yeah, but how would I sleep at night if I if I did that? He's like, it'd be worth a lot more, but I'd also like to be able to sleep at night. So I'm going to provide, you know, decent families, a, a place to live that's in the same safe areas that all this other stuff is. And those kind of statements that he makes and how he purposely loses money to his workers because he knows the guy's got a lot of kids and he wants to make sure he takes care of them. And just interesting little pieces and tidbits like that that they do in this film. And I mean, a lot of it is like he wants to do things for you know, the average everyday Joe and he's all about that. And he's every time he talks about the stuff that he's doing, like even when he takes over the country club, I know that he is doing it to annoy the old rich people that, you know, are just basically like they've had the money forever. It's been in the family and he just, you know, is doing it to irritate them. But when he turns it into an amusement park and opens up the world to let everybody else get the same resources that rich people get, I mean, that just, it's, a comedy framework, but it's totally talking class warfare and taking back and all of that kind of stuff in a really fun, inventive way that I think probably planted that seed and those ideas in me as a kid. And I really dug. Also, it's really interesting to see one of the ladies from Wilson Phillips as a uh, Miffy or Muffy or whatever yeah, the hell her no, name no, is. No, her name's not Muffy. You can be that up real fast. <laughs> I knew a girl in high school named Muffy for a totally different reason, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> she had a coming out party. They told her to go back. Uh, so they told bad. her to go back. The one-liners one are pretty great, yes. And I know, yes, Jackie Mason's not Rodney Dangerfield, but Jackie Mason is fucking Jackie Mason, man. Give him a chance. He's really fucking funny in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's got chops, man, and I, I, I didn't know a ton about his work and before, before going into this movie when I, when I was younger, obviously, but I've explored, you know, further. He's, he was one of the great old comedians, and so his timing, the timing is there, so there's really not a whole lot to bitch about except for the fact that it's not Rodney, which is a lot of reasons why a lot of these people were cast in this movie. If you read the IMDb trivia, um, Sam Kinison was supposed to play the Randy Quaid part, but since Rodney wasn't going to do it because he literally threw the threw the script in the trash can, uh, he wasn't going to do it if Rodney wasn't going to do it. And then this actor wasn't going to do it if that actor wasn't going to do it, and, and so on and so forth. And and um, I just don't see a problem, but the, uh, it's really crazy stuff he, of course chevy chase was a dickhead on set and all this stuff and oh god watching him in this is really painful now when you know all this stuff about how much of an asshole he really is particularly the way he was treating the women in the scene where he's supposed to go in and just basically talking to them like they're all prostitutes it's still funny though man I, the <laughs> well, it's funny like, because yeah. he's so out of touch and he's such an asshole but like that's how chevy really is from what stories have been told about him Chevy's that he time, really is that much of a prick. Chevy's timing in that scene, <laughs> which ends with, he's like, oh, Rollo, no. Have you ever seen a, a crisp $50 bill? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's Chevy. But <laughs> yeah, the part of the locker room uh, where he, he intentionally gets all the guys' names wrong. Yeah, this like is, uh, Wrinkle Mr. and all yeah. of that stuff. I love that stuff. That is funny. This is Mr. Wrinkle, uh, Mr. Foreskin, uh, you know. <laughs> Forrester. <laughs> Winkle. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so it's, it's hard to be to hate Chevy. Well, and the, 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 the same thing in their locker room where Jackie Mason says that, uh, you know, he was a mutt or whatever, cause his dad was Armenian, I think he says. And then his mother was half Jewish, half English, half Spanish and Robert Stack being Robert Stack. That's three halves. And he goes, Oh, she was a very big woman. I love that kind yes. of stuff. 
like it's it's almost like classic comedy delivery stuff mixed in with all of that. And I I know that it would have probably people would have loved it more if Rodney Dangerfield would have come back and replies to his role as the guy that he is. And they continue the fight. But this time he decides to buy Bushwood because they're causing even further problems for him. And yes, Sam Kennison is the lawyer would have been probably more or more appealing to a lot of different people than us. But I mean, Randy Quaid, when he goes off on that, that line that he delivers that dialogue where he's like, you see, I don't go in for all of the fancy lawyer talk and all of that kind of stuff. My negotiation or whatever it is that he says. And he goes, I find out where you live. And then I, and he just freaks out and screams, oh, yeah. beat down your door with a fucking baseball bat, you know, make a fire with the Chippendale roast, the golden retriever. And he starts barking. Like when he goes nuts, you can really see the guy who's going to be talking about like Vatican assassins and all the other stuff later on in his life. Where you're like, Holy shit. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, he goes from like a three to like a 10 and you know, there's, there's no bigger joy on my face is when he's when he's playing playing the it's it's like mini golf mixed with regular golf I guess because you got to aim for shit. Yeah, it's like it's super golf or like jumbo golf I would call it. You know. <laughs> and of course, you know he, um, the eighteenth hole is a hockey rink. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he jumps the boards to go defend the hole. It's just insane, and I, I it's a real small part of the movie, but. Randy Quaid, everybody did just fine. That, that's the thing. I never heard people like in my circles bitch about Caddyshack too, because they've all had generally a good time with it. But if you read like some of these like nostalgia critic and all this bullshit, you know these these people on the internet who talk shit about it, they say it's it's this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Like, I don't see ton of stuff wrong, except for the fact that you're saying it's not Caddyshack. But you know what? There's a lot of people. Right. I mean, it, it has the advantage of having like very learned actors in the movie in the movie with great timing. And work well off of each other, and it, it only helps it at that point. Even if it's a shit script, if you got good actors in your film, and I think that it, it, it with, with lesser actors, it wouldn't have been very good. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the people worked with what they had, and I did have kind of something that I noticed whenever Randy Quaid, as the lawyer character, was not being violent and was just kind of being like goofy and awkward and making dumb jokes. He reminded me of Doug Kinney a lot and the stuff that I've seen of Doug Kinney, the way that he was kind of, when he was like calm and, or just making a joke, like, especially when he throws the two lawyer guys out after screaming at him and throwing them and threats and all that kind of stuff. When he goes up to Jackie Mason's character and he's like, yeah, negotiations are, you know, on the table or whatever it is. And he just kind of slips, slips into that and just kind of goofs. He kind of delivers that a lot. Like Doug Kinney would have delivered and that kind of stuff. So I kind of got a little nostalgic and I, I wonder if maybe he did that as sort of a tribute or if they did that to try and tribute him from making the original Caddyshack and all of that. And I think this movie kind of suffers from being a sequel. That's just a little too late. They didn't get it done in time. And I think that really is what caused a lot of the problems because then they had the gall to hire people that weren't the original people. And then, you know, they just think, well, this is most people just get hissy about it and don't like the idea because it's not the original people. And I, agree with you that's like their only complaint really when this, it boils down to it this was pre-internet people so this is 1988 <laughs> so you had, to, you had to find people to be bitching about this movie you, had, you actually talked to people in the theater the line at the theater or something like that so human interaction was uh booming and you know it, it it's only made it worse with the internet like hey you know what i found it's like you know what i saw fucking 20 years ago shut the fuck up okay it's it's it's, it's fine you know I think it's very fine. There's great, there's great, there's great, you know, 
the first Caddyshack, it has like what I'm gonna call like YouTube moments in it. Where if you if you had a compilation of Rodney's little bits in, in a YouTube clip, you would need to watch that. Uh, the pool scene is a big set piece, you know. <laughs> but, but besides that, you know, and of course Bill Murray doing his thing, you know. And uh, oh, I can't I can't do the the Bill Murray voice when he's talking about <laughs> the, the, the llama and the glacier, and you know, it's just, uh, so I got I'm, that going I, for me. Yeah, I got that going for me. When you die on your deathbed, you will get total enlightenment. Oh man, it's it, it's funny, but then again, it's it's a movie that's good in pieces. Because once you get to the stuff with the, the 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 awful girl with the fake foreign accent being she's not pregnant and all kinds of goofy like stuff like that, it it it, it, it has a lot of lulls in it. This film I don't think has a lot of lulls in it, with the exception of and it's not even a lull. It's just part of the story because the the through line to this movie is Jackie Mason's daughter, um, who wants. To, to be part of that rich life, but she's very humble too. So she's like defying her father and all, all that he stands for to get it with the, these rich people. And so there's that through line. And I did mention Diane Cannon, but she's one of the reasons why I like older ladies. I was going to say when I saw the tango scene, I'm like, if Gary watched this around the same age that I was when I saw it, I can see where this may have developed that love for him. I can totally tell. She's one of the ones, man. She's one of the ones. I, I, I didn't ever She's mention a cast gorgeous before. in this film. She's beautiful. Gorgeous. <laughs> um, this one has a lot of like funny scenes. I I love and <laughs> an uncomfortable part of this movie when he when he buys all the society slaves from the auction, and I think I forget I think it was Paul Bartel makes the Mandingo line. I was like, ooh, uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> it's like. A, it's like that's actual slavery. That's there's something wrong there, man. But yeah, I'm gonna just chalk uh, that up to the insensitive uh, time frame the movie was made in. You know, I'm not being like overly PC, but when I heard, I was like, Ugh. You know? <laughs> no, it was. You're totally right, Gary. It's totally cringeworthy, and I'm surprised that it got you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it. I got it right away. Like, yeah, it's like uh, I forget the lie, but they're we're, we're gonna do this. Like Mandingo style or something, he says. I was like, "Really? You you chose that word? That that's fine, you know." But uh, yeah, it was rough. I I was gonna just like ignore it and pretend like it didn't happen. I'm just trying to like you know bury my head in the sand about some of the stuff that was not appropriate joke wise. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love I love uh I love Marsha Warfield and everything because she's just she's Marsha Warfield. She's from she's in the, from Night Court and DC Cab and tons of stuff that I love and. Oh, because, she delivers one of my favorite lines in the movie, too, where she's like, I asked for laborers, guys with big arms, bad teeth, just broke up with a waitress. <laughs> I love that line. And the old lady can't carry lumber for shit. <laughs> <laughs> she's fucking awesome in this movie. She's a big highlight. Yeah. Where's uh, she going? It's not even lunchtime. Oh, uh, so good. Oh, yeah. Like I said, <laughs> I don't see what folks complain about this movie before. It's, 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 it's pretty great. It has a great conclusion to it you know and of course ty webb has to help him learn an actual golf game because he has like super powered uh weapons of this movie for his golf clubs and that's i could see where people would have an issue with that because there's some parts where they try to make it way too much mm-hmm. and i mean way too much like the original caddyshack and i think the the weaponry version of golf clubs that Rodney Dangerfield has in the first one. I think that's better. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was a kid and I didn't know anything about Caddyshack and I wasn't comparing them and I just saw this movie, I love this stuff, but I still knew the laser grid thing was bullshit and it wouldn't have worked. No, it wouldn't have worked and it's silly, but it's 
it's late 80s, which means this is filmed in like 1987, so they were doing goofy stuff back in those days, and I got I got to I got to judge it by the time frame that it came out because the the tech wasn't there, but I I I'll take it because Jackie Mason doing it, but it's a real small part of the movie. Uh, one thing we didn't dive into yet is uh, Dan Aykroyd's character. Yeah, we would be remiss if we didn't mention him. Yes, C- crazy military guy who uh, Robert Stack is going to hire to assassinate uh, Jackie Mason's character. You know, yeah. not not. Not his character, like his uh, his personality, but his actual person's gonna gonna kill him. And, uh, yeah, he was gonna kill Hartunian. He was hired to eliminate Hartunian with extreme prejudice. The part where they first meet, and he he's in the fucking sloth wagon. That fucking burrito just looks fucking atrocious. Cause no, don't nothing, have it. Yeah, it's exactly. Fine, I'll take of, a tuna on whole wheat. Don't have it. Nothing's cut up properly. It's just like you know. Crude, crude onions with chili with some a whole lot of peppers on it. Like here you he, go, eat he that. He didn't cut know? any. He did, he cut, he barely cut anything. He didn't cook a fucking thing. I was surprised he didn't just throw raw meat in there. Oh, but, <laughs> I was waiting for him to throw throw more shit there. I mean, but, but, not not a much more. You know, I'd be a much more entertaining scene, but not that I was entertained to begin with. But the stuff with him in it, trying trying to like foil uh, good old Hartunian there is kind of great. The the, um, the mercury filled uh, golf balls with a titanium driver. They'll keep your eye on the fruit. You know, yeah. he has he has a he, it's, it's hilarious. He has a gallows handy to hang a watermelon from. <laughs> like, where do you find this? Like, I guess you can have it anywhere. But it's, it's uh, the fact that he has one is really strange because, of course, the golf ball explodes the watermelon real good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not destroyed. It's gone, or whatever he says. He's yeah. like, it's gone. <laughs> I used to. I had all of his dialogue memorized as a kid, and I think the thing that I loved the most is when he's talking about like, it's best if we don't get out the details like that because when they do find us and they can do and will hook up car batteries to our testicles, they can't make us talk or something like that. Or yeah. when they hook up car batteries to our testicles, which can and probably will happen <laughs> or does happen or something like that I'm like, oh. like like a jerking motion like he's being electrocuted like, yeah geez, yeah yeah a little bit and it's and what they're getting at is the reason that he talks like that is because his balls got shocked off or something yeah which is when you think about it really fucking inappropriate and really fucking wrong that he's like he's like this wet works guy basically too and they they go through all this like the horrors of war that this special forces wet works guy may have gone through and it's just like, oh my god, where are you going, movie? What are you doing? Yeah, it's it's, it's really strange, but I I really love that character. It's that I almost say he's he's a good replacement for Bill Murray in this movie. That character, if you gotta like say, because if you read the, the 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 trivia about, basically they replaced these characters with other characters, and I think it's it's a fair trade having this crazy military guy who gets <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines from Chevy in the movie. When he shoots himself in the ass with the arrow, the poison dipped arrow, <laughs> he has Chevy to pull it out. He goes, "What do you say?" So I pull. It's like you pull it out, and I suck, or something like that. He says, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me get this straight. You pull it out, I suck. Is there any money in it for me, or something like that?" Yeah, I love it, man. That's yeah, his best line. If this were my show, uh, Cinema Psyops, you would have had a total great clip there. Yes, indeed. But <laughs> I'm lazy, so we're gonna do we're gonna do this the old uh, the old filthy way. But um. Yeah. We talked a lot about this film, but uh, anything else you want to say about a court and what do you give it one to ten? 
Well, first of all, the place looks like it's filled with funs and ooms, which is oh. a person, which is a guy who farts in the bathtub and bites the bubbles. Yes. <laughs> I love that joke. Funs and ooms <laughs> or funs I, I, and noons or whatever. I still use the funs and noon as a word in, in regular society. <laughs> it's 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 more funny because you don't have to explain it to people. They 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 think it's, it's insulting, but it's a fun you know thing or whatever. Go yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I I absolutely love this movie as a kid, and watching it as an adult, I realized some of the glaring flare like like glaring problems that some people would probably have issues with as well. So that does modify my rating a little bit, but not as much as you would think. This is an eight seven five for me. Eight point seven five. Yeah, I, I I dig it too, man. It's 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 not it's not the most perfect thing you're ever gonna see, but neither is Caddyshack one. So, but I have a lot of fun with it. I still have a whole lot of fun with it. Um, so I think it deserves at least a seven and a half. And I recommend it's on Netflix right now as we're recording this. And yeah, if you got a subscription to Netflix, no additional charge, give it a shot. And both Caddyshacks are on there. Watch them back to back, and uh, you know, hate it even more, I suppose. Oh my god. But um that's the end of this one and uh as my buddy Eric would say, we'll see you all again in part two. Yeah, unfortunately this time around we have uh some dead folks to talk about this time and uh we do that on a segment called The Butcher's Block. Ah uh, we got two musical ones and uh one one fucking massive genre icon to talk about. Uh <clears throat> one you may hear me talk about it slightly on the Diane Franklin interview, the, the the start of it, Rico Kasich, lead singer from the Cars, has passed away and uh, left behind a great body of music. Um, if you don't know the hits, go go look for them because they are they are a plenty and uh, one of the great um, rock slash new wave voices of all time. Suzanne will tell us all about it. I'm sure next. How's what's your feelings about Rico Kasich from the Cars? I cried. The second it hit my newsfeed, I fucking cried. I spent the night listening to Candio, and I've I've been listening to the Cars. Jesus, I can't even tell you how how long I've been listening to them, and they kind of fall into that because I love my '80s music and I love new wave, and the fact that Rick Ocasek, who is was never a very nice looking man. Married a motherfucking supermodel. And that's pretty much uh, if you're in music, you get the hot chicks. But they put together such an incredible body of work. So I, I swear, I bet if I go and find my box of CDs, you'll find my copy of, because I did, of course, replace all of my cassettes with CDs. You'll find Candio, you'll find Heartbreak City. And I I watched a bunch of the videos. He is a fucking musical icon. It was so fucking sad. And I, I, did he just die? I think he just died of heart failure. He was old. God knows what fucking good drugs he was on. Or, well, when he was, uh, when they were touring and doing whatever. But the cars were fucking huge. They were a huge part of my musical background. And he is forever going to be missed by me. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't really brought up at the time, but his big hits were coming out. But I've heard it in many things. I mentioned the last American version. Uh, they're featured in the movie Over the Edge. I, I, I like that quite a bit. Uh, man, there's there's so many great songs out there. 
I can't, I can't say that I'm a big explorer of full albums, but the hits, the hits, uh, they, they keep on kicking and they still kick on the radio to this day for great reason. And, um, man, uh, next up another rock icon, but in his own, you mentioned kind of uglier dudes, but he's, he's, uh, he's got his place in the world. Eddie money cancer sucks people. And he, he died of cancer, uh, fourth, um, he found out about it like weeks before he, like a couple months before he died, I think. And uh, Eddie Money, of course, who uh, whose hits include Two Tickets to Paradise and uh, other great jams. Um, reignited the career of Ronnie Spector for, from the Ronettes. She, I, I love listening to her talk about Eddie Money because they were great, great friends, and she's she's always so appreciative of that because yeah, she sings the hook on um, on Take Me Home Tonight. If you know the song, there, there's um. Everybody knows the song. Everybody knows the song. That's that's Ronnie Spector, and they're doing the "Be My Little Baby" stuff. And yeah, I've always uh, appreciated the way she talked about him. And he's a great singer, one of the great you know '70s slash '80s singers of, of that time. I can't say he's had as many hits as the Cars, but um, again, rock radio. There's a reason why he's still on it, people. You know, and uh, uh, the hits uh, the hits speak for themselves. Suzanne, what do you think? Oh, uh, I remember. Oh my God, he had. Okay, the first one of the first times they ever heard Eddie Money was I was the first kid on the block with MTV, so I would naturally have about fifteen people in the living room, and we were just watching video after video after video because it was new, it was exciting, and the first song I ever heard by him was a song called "Shaken." That's song. Oh yeah, it is. It's my favorite Eddie Money song, and I don't know if anybody realizes this, it's like when it comes to music, it's like it may not be the greatest thing, but it was the first thing I heard, so therefore it's always going to have a a higher place for me. (laughs) But, I mean, this was back in the day. The videos were like mini-movies. Now I don't think anybody makes videos anymore. Well, they still do, just nobody watches them. They're just kind of there. Well, there's not a channel for that anymore. There used to be one. It was called, um, oh, God, what was it called? Oh, MTV? Yeah, I think that was it, where they used to show videos 24-7, and then they started doing other stuff for different genres of music. It was it was a really cool thing, but I, just, I have no idea what happened to that channel. Well, they, have, they have Unwood Teenage Mothers on there and stuff like that now, right, on that channel? I am being so completely sarcastic. Yes. We have that, and we have uh, uh, Ridiculousness. So, you know, I have to admit every once in a while I don't mind turning on ridiculousness just so I know that I've got a few more brain cells in my head than a few other people on the planet. It's pretty funny, though, I got to admit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It is hilarious. Once again, happy to have a few more brain cells in my head. Oh, yeah. But Eddie Money, and once again, these were songs that were part of my youth. Everybody knew these songs. Everybody sung these songs. And when you, once again, another icon. I mean, he was more of your 70s soft rock kind of guy, but still Eddie Money. And he's gone. And that fucking sucks. And I hate the fact that I've hit that age where all the people that I used to listen to or watch in movies are passing on and I don't fucking like it. Yeah, but they leave behind a catalog, you know, quite a quite, quite a catalog, and it's uh, I can't I can't really shake a stick at that man. It's it's uh, that shaking's a great song. 
the the last the last one I'll mention is uh shit this one hurts because it hurt it hurts a lot of people and because he was a great man uh genre actor genre, genre legend in the business for sixty plus years Sid Haig has passed away uh, lost lost his battle with with cancer again cancer sucks Sid was eighty um. His, person, his personality was as big as his stature. People said was a tall man, and he did a lot of conventions. He made a lot of films, but every time I got to meet him, every guy I got to see him, he was always the coolest guy in the room. And no matter how tired he was from the day, because uh, you could tell some days were kicking his ass, but he always, uh, he always was the nicest guy and the coolest guy at convention. But uh, he was one of those guys too that yeah. You didn't want to cross him, I hear, because because Sid Sid would would get angry and uh, at, at angry at his enemies, not not at friends, because he had a lot of friends, which included my friend Brian, who has known Sid for the be- better part of the last decade. Got a text for from Bill Mosley at three o'clock in the morning when when the he he got word that Sid passed away. So they're that close, people. So I I, I feel sorry for my friend Brian, who uh his has made friends with so many people over the years. He, when when, when Rutger Howard died, he signed a dinner with that man so many times. I was like, you really this is not a big deal. You have a dinner with Rutger Howard, okay? Come on, man. You know? That's not fucking fair. <laughs> well, it happens. Uh, you know? I, I don't want to brag, but I, I have a friend who knows people, okay? <laughs> you know? I, I don't ask him who, but he, he does know some people, and it usually comes out when somebody croaks. And uh, I, I did watch a couple Sid Haig films I didn't mention. I did watch um, Coffee, and I I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, which that's a that's a hard one to watch now because there's so many dead people in that movie, and um, Tom Tolles is dead. Um, I forget the guy that played Tiny, the, the the tall guy, but he passed away. Karen Black is dead. Now Sid is dead. Oh God, and um, it's it's still very entertaining House of a Thousand Corpses because Sid, m- much like the guy you see on screen. Is the guy you got to meet in real life, and he was just the nicest, you know, most gentle giant you'd ever want to meet. A lot of people who go to conventions that have met him can attest to this. Big blow to the genre, big blow to humanity. Uh, adios, uh, Mr. Sid Haig. And by the way, it was a great, it was a great, but bittersweet send off in Three from Hell. The one scene we got with him because he was so ill at the time. Hell, they they said that um, Rob Zombie said that. They hadn't seen each other in like three years, but when he met Sid, if anybody's seen him de- <laughs> deteriorate, I hate to use the word deteriorate, but he lost a lot of weight over the years, over these last few years, and he's a skinnier version of what he once was, that he had no choice to, to kind of like write him off in a way, which if, if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to give away how they write him off, but he has a hell of a send off, so I'll give him that. Uh, Suzanne, I'm talking up, I'm talking up Sid here. How do you feel about Sid Haig? Well, you know, one of I, I love seventies TV shows and do you know how many of those seventies TV shows? It's I, I swear watching one of my favorite shows when I was a kid was this show called Emergency. I happened to be watching an episode last week and guess who the guest star was? Sid Haig. And I remember I unfortunately did not get his autograph at a convention. But I bumped into him in the hall, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. And he's like, oh, no, you're okay. You have gorgeous hair. He actually told me I had pretty hair. And I'm like, oh, that is the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. See, that's special, ain't it? Come on now. 
he was, and once again, I didn't make it to his table, but on top of that, I kept, for some reason, we kept bumping into each other at the hall, in the halls. And he always like, you're you're so beautiful. I love your hair. And he was just a really, and he was huge. I'm tall. You're tall. He was fucking tall. But he was a just really, really nice person. And I kept meaning to get over to his table, and I just didn't. And now, once again, for the second time, I didn't get, I was really hoping I'd get another time around with Angus Scrim. And I was, Sid was so generous at conventions. I'm like, oh, well, it's, I still have time. Well, you know what? I'm just never going to do that shit again. And I feel terrible because he was so fucking nice. And he liked my hair, and that makes me happy. Sometimes it's like that, though. Like, that's me with Borgnine. I was supposed to be Ernest Borgnine at the Hollywood show one year, and I skipped it for some odd reason. I forget why. And I think somebody canceled, and I said, well, I'm just not going to go to that now or something. And then, like, a few, like, a month later, he passed away. I was like, I guess I missed out on Borgnine, and that's... I've been regretting it ever since, let's put it that way. (laughs) I know, but it's happened to me twice, and I'm really not going to let that shit slide anymore i i should have don coscarelli shows up at these all the time i should have skipped don and gone straight to angus and i should have skipped i can't remember who i should have skipped just to go talk to sid Haig. because he, and once again i kept bumping into him in the halls i mean it was just we must have just been on the same you know walk the hall schedule but he was just just so so nice and I just, once again, he keeps popping up into all the 70s TV shows I watch. Is that emergency being the most notable? Because I watched that a few weeks ago. And fuck, I was six or seven when I watched that show. And I just remembered, and it just, it happened to be on me TV. Yeah, what I've got to watch that, that it actually inspired Rob Zombie because it was one of his favorite shows to get said was uh, Jason of Star Command. I've, I've never ne- seen an episode of that, and everyone has been talking about it. I've never seen it, but this was the the thing that that Rob Zombie recognized him from first, and this was the uh, reason his reason for getting him to play, you know, one of his most iconic, if not his most iconic role ever. And I, I hate to say, hey, he's more than Captain Spaulding, but he was fucking Captain Spaulding. Yeah, you know, in, in, in personality, he it, it, it was it was there on screen. Yeah. He was the only memorable character. Oh, I can't, I can't say that, because, like I say, you gotta see Three from Hell. You gotta see it, because I think that, you know, I think that he made those people better actors. I mean, Bill Mosley's, you know, he's he's Bill Mosley, but if you see Sherry's acting, and I know this is this is a big stretch for people <laughs> who've, who've seen the film, if you see her acting in, in Three from Hell, you know, her monologue, stuff like that, you could tell that she learned a lot of stuff from the learned actors that were around her. Or Rob bought her acting lessons because God knows she needed them. Like I said, you got, you got to see it. You got to see it because I, you'll see what I'm talking about. I, I can't. And I'm, Pat's kind of been getting down on me. Like you, you've never seen it. So you can't bitch. What's that? Uh, if I haven't seen a movie, I'm not allowed to bitch about it. No, but it, 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 I, if I, if I'm saying it, you, you know, it's gotta be, and I'm not saying what I say is the truth. But, uh, <laughs> she, she, she is a lot better in that movie than, Anything else she is in. Um, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna wrap up this one. You know, about, I forgot to mention one thing. If you're going to a Days of the Dead convention, um, he was such a 
big member of their family. He came to many of those Days of Dead shows. They are still setting up a table for him. They are setting up a box to where you could write a letter to the, the family. And um, you could do that. You could put it in the box. And they guarantee that it will get to uh, his wife Susie and the rest of the family for them to read. And, to, you know, it's a great, it's a, it's a great, it's a great way for, for fans to, you know, respect their wishes during this time of uh, loss, really. And uh, still get their word out there to say, you know, how... How we touched your life, basically, and I, I think that uh, if you're going to Days of the Dead, there's like I think there were like six of them this year altogether. I know Charlotte. I think I think uh, Charlotte's coming up, and um, I forget where else. But look, look at daysofthedead.com. You'll find it. But they're setting up a table for him. Oh, Las Vegas is one of the ones coming up too. And uh, ours. It's a great. Uh, it's a great. Yeah, Chicago's coming up in November. Looking forward to it. It's a great way for you to, to write a little tribute to him, and it'll get to the proper channels. So there, there's that. But uh, I'm going to wrap up this one, and it's, it's been a long one, 50, because there's just two of us. I'm glad that this uh this went so long, and uh, it's mutually beneficial for the both of us. But uh, <coughs> Suzanne, what you got coming up, girl? Uh, we are creeping into the month of Halloween with... Halloween-based horror movies. Yay! You can find us on the NFW Podcast, which is on the Horrorphilia Network. And I would always make sure you send a shout-out to Jake, Willis, and Nudie. Yeah, I heard... Uh, I wasn't on the last one, but I heard that Nudie said that Willis was on crack on this episode, so I'm looking forward to... Uh... Oh my god, Gary. I, I, I doubt literal crack, but Willis is talking crazy, okay? So, that's a... Uh... I wish you were there. It was one... And there have been some nights where shit has just been really funny. This was one of those magical nights because the movie was so terrible that we talked the entire time and basically made fun of each other and Willis was Willis. <laughs> yeah, the next two drink room commentaries you should hear... Um... I announced that, I, I, by, by the way, if you go to download the Flick app, you type in the code CINEMABEEF, uh, lowercase, you can join our Flick chat group on there. I've, I post some topics for further discussion, including what our next Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is going to be, which is the 1959 Hammer version of The Mummy, my favorite version of that film, and I'm looking forward to... Uh, what's up? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. P- Peter Cushing. Uh... Christopher Lee doing a pretty badass backbreaker in that movie. I love it so much. So fluid. And uh, it is my favorite Mummy film of all time. It turned 60 this year. I know Nudie loves it. So I, I felt it was only appropriate to uh, to do it on the show and have a good time with it. And um, yeah, the next one of these you should hear, we, we should be diving into our uh, October shows. I don't know what, what, what we're going to do yet. We have a list of, of, of a slate of shows that we're going to be doing. I just don't know the order in which we're going to record them, so I can't tell you what's coming up next, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun uh, horror stuff all October long on your your horror podcasting network in which Bo allows me to talk about non-horror stuff. So thanks, Bo. And uh, that's about it for this one, really, except for, uh, yeah, go, go check out Fleas and Flicks Charity Auction. That's coming up soon, second weekend of December. And uh, Twitter, GW, Twitter, Cast, all that good stuff. Facebook group, <clears throat> support the Legion Patreon if you haven't already. I'm rambling again. Thank you for uh, you've, if you've joined us from the beginning. If you join us right now, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, 150. 
is a milestone that I thought I wouldn't get to because of, you know, depression and blah. Just feeling blah. You can feel blah, people. Well, let me throw that out there. If you're feeling low in the dumps and the shitter, there's always going to be friends that will build you up. And this is, this for me is the best therapy for that, that there ever was. So I thank anybody who's ever recorded with me. I mean, there's a good handful of ones towards the beginning there that I, I'm going to put out there because there's some, there's some great guest spots in there. And one in which I told Duncan that Memento is really a shitty movie. And, you know, there's a, there's some great conversations in there why I think Memento is a really shitty movie. And Duncan it has this classic, you know, groan, because that man gets upset with me sometimes. Like when I tell him Black Christmas sucks. And, you know. Ah. <laughs> I prefer the remake. Uh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh, go on the way back machine for that one, Suzanne. Uh, <laughs> oh, my me, God. Me, 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 me and Ryan Lewis talking that movie up. It's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's it for this one. I'm rambling, like I said. Thank you. We love you. Next episode, horror's going to be on point, people. So get ready for that. But this has been a Cinebeef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See y'all next time. Ah. Stop. Try!